right, welcome back to another great episode of Dan on Top. I'm your host, Dan Lukowitz, and today we have another incredible guest, the president at Blue Elm Investments, Todd Salzinger. Todd, how you doing? Oh, great. How you doing, Dan? Really uh, glad to be here to talk. Yeah, glad to have you. Thanks for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join us today. So we only have 18 minutes, so let's jam-pack it with as much value as we can. Jump right in. Sounds Who good. is Todd Salzinger? Yeah, so I uh, spent most of my career working in corporate finance in Silicon Valley. I was born and raised here and uh, had a great career, 20 plus years working for a lot of great high technology companies. Uh, During that time, decided I didn't want to spend any more time closing the books, dealing with audits, worrying about getting you know, laid off or had to deal with it, you know, multiple acquisitions, and things like that, decided to make a transition into real estate, started by purchasing single family homes in the Dallas Fort Worth market, you know, quite a, a long distance from where I live. And then through that process, decided I wanted to build a business around real estate syndications and helping other passive investors invest in real estate. And through that process, found my way into mobile home parks. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I can definitely relate to that, you know, as someone who also moved out of the corporate world and into real estate full time. So, you know, for everybody, there's a different story behind that. So for you, Todd, what was the motivator getting you from that transition of working in corporate finance to real estate syndications? Yeah, well, yeah, well, I had a great career doing that. It just it did get to be tiring over time. You know, it's just like a, you know another budget cycle to go through, another you know doing another monthly close or going through another, uh, you know, working with the auditors, going through our uh, you know auditing our, our books every year. Uh, you know, I just I got burnt out on doing that, and then also I, I found that there were just multiple situations where I was you know at companies that got acquired by other companies, and through the synergies that you know synergistic savings they found, you know they don't need two finance teams. Um, so I found situations where uh, you know my function was eliminated just due to a merger and acquisition, or you know companies got acquired and I was asked to relocate, and I just uh, just really didn't like that lack of control. In, the, in that corporate world, really never knowing what was going to happen with, uh, you know, just at any point in time, you may get that call saying, hey, you know, we're getting acquired or the job's eliminated or whatever it might be. And uh, just wanted to take more control, uh, having my own business around real estate. Yeah, sure. That makes total sense. I think control is a big part for a lot of people, not just yeah. control in the day to day, but control in your financial destiny, which is really important. And, you know, there are probably a lot of our viewers who are, you know, at that transition period, right? They're, they have that W-2, they have that potential, you know, false sense of security, and they're deciding how they want to make that transition. And I'll say, Todd, and I'm sure you'll echo that everyone I've talked to, and myself included, and probably you as well, who's made that transition to being 100% independent as an entrepreneur, once you do it and you make that jump and you don't look back, it's something that you never, ever regret. I, I agree. It, it, it was a you know big mental shift because I'd been doing it for so long and grew up in that environment of just, uh, you know, that's the way you do it. You get a, out of college, get a degree, start your W-2 job and go down that path. But to have that kind of, you know, independence and flexibility in terms of, um, yeah, just, you know, doing something you enjoy more and being your own boss is, is fantastic. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, you mentioned before that you started your transition with single family uh, investments. And, you know, I did as well. I like to look at single family residential as kind of the gateway drug, right, to the wonderful world of of commercial real estate. So tell us a little bit about how you made that, that additional transition to mobile home parks and actual deal syndications. 
Sure. Yeah. Like, like, you know, you've probably heard and many people have done that path of like, oh, I'm just going to buy multiple single family homes. I mentioned that's going to replace my W-2 income. And I got to a point where I realized that's going to take a really long time. And for every house I want to buy, I have to save up a down payment and, you know, didn't want to continue to go down that path. And I started to meet other people who were uh, putting together real estate syndications. I hadn't heard of that before. And I, uh, I was listening to the real estate guys radio show, their podcast, uh, or Robert and Russ actually used to live close to where I live before they, they both moved and they were putting together real estate syndication events. And I thought this is like an awesome, uh, you know, way to do business. I can kind of take my finance experience with my passion for real estate uh, and be able to help investors and go out and, uh, you know, buy real estate. It just seemed like a great, great way to do it. I didn't want to be another apartment syndicator. It just seemed like everybody that was getting into that business was doing that. And I knew a few people in the mobile home park space. So, uh, you know, through over a couple of year process, just kind of doing a lot of research around a lot of different asset classes. Uh, I was attracted to mobile home parks for a lot of reasons there, you know, the need for affordable housing, the fact that they're, they're recession resistant, yep. uh, the, the fact that you can often get seller financing and you're often dealing with mom and pop owners uh, versus, you know, bigger institutional players who might be selling apartments. And uh, through that process, I met some uh, a mobile home park consulting firm who had some deep experience in the mobile home park business. So once I knew I find myself with them and kind of, um, again, had that combination of corporate finance background, you know, passion in real estate, great, good with numbers and uh, having the, uh, the mobile home park consultants by my side, I decided to take the dive in and uh, buy some mobile home parks. That's awesome. Well, talk to us a little bit about the specifics of the deal as well as the structure of the syndication. How big are these deals dollar wise? How many units are we talking about? And then how many investors are you working with? What does the syndication process look like? Sure, sure. Well, when I when I was first before I put together the syndication, I was talking to a lot of people that I worked with and you know people I'd known for a long time, and just to, you know gauge their interest in wanting to invest in real estate, and found that it definitely was there. Uh, for the first uh, couple deals I put together, I didn't want to go too big because I didn't want to uh, you know get that reputation of you know taking off more bite not more than I could chew and not be able to close on deals. So I found a seventy one space park. Uh, it's actually two parks from the same seller, about a mile from each other. Um, and uh, the guy had it on the market for, uh, for a couple of years. It fell out of escrow a few, a few times because he didn't keep great financial records. He was taking a lot of cash from his tenants. So I was able to kind of come in at the right time and get a better price for it, as well as negotiate seller financing with him. And uh, ended up buying the parks for eight hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars. So, uh, in the mobile home park business, those seventy-one wow. spaces for eight twenty-five, a little over ten thousand to space. So that's you know on the on the lower end, but that's kind of what I was looking for something that had some uh, meat on the bone from a uh, rent increase perspective, um, and then also a situation where I could get you know get good seller financing. So in that deal, I raised about six hundred thousand from investors. So that included the down payment, and then set aside money for buying some homes to infill the lots and doing some other uh, park cleanup and repair. Uh, and that was a group of about 10 investors came in on that one. Awesome. So what kind of capital expenditures did you have to put into that park? Uh, well, the park had some vacant pads. So uh, in this, this park was mostly park owned homes, which is, you know, the park owns the home and rents them out just sure. like they would a single family home or like an apartment. Uh, and there were uh, about 10, tenant-owned homes where the tenant owns the home and just rents the land. Uh, but there were some vacant spaces that we wanted to fill in. So that was uh, 
the initial part of the CapEx was to find a, a mobile home park flipper. Essentially, there's mobile home park flippers that, you know, buy mobile homes inexpensively, do the rehab and then sell them to operators like uh, like uh, my company. And we ended up buying three uh, refurbished mobile homes for about $20,000 a piece delivered and got those into place and renting those out for around $550, $600. So that was kind of the initial push was to uh, do the uh, do some of the infill. And then also there were some vacant homes in the park that the park owned. And we used some of that money to start to rehab some of those homes. Great. So now can you talk to us a little further about the numbers on that deal? So you know what you're in for. You know that you have some capex. You know you've done some infill on some of those vacant pads and put, uh, you know, greater number now residents in that park. So what are we looking at in terms of cash on cash return? Yeah. So the the uh, pro form I put together was giving the investors a nine percent uh, preferred return, and the with a plan for a five year exit. I found that was kind of a, a right sweet spot for. Uh, being able to turn around the park as well as giving investors some comfort. You know, if you only have a an expected exit after two or three years, that might not be enough time to stabilize the property and have a couple of years of good financials to be able to uh, to sell it to the next buyer. Uh, if you kind of keep things out at seven, eight, nine years, that kind of can make investors not feel comfortable in terms of how long they're going to be in the deal. So we set it with a with a five year exit, and the plan kind of over that five years was around at eighteen percent IRR. Okay, great. Would you say that those numbers are pretty typical for deals in your space? Um, I would say so. It probably, you know, the preferred was a little bit higher, and I, I did that consciously because it was my first deal, and it was in the mobile home park business, which is you know not something everybody's familiar with. So, uh, you know, I learned from you know a couple different mentors that I worked with early on, you know, when you put together your first few deals, you know, you're going to give a little bit more to the investors, uh, just from a a credibility standpoint to get a couple deals under your belt. So I structured this one probably a little bit higher from a preferred return side, Uh, from an IRR noble home parks, I would say that was, you know, uh, you know, I've seen them kind of in the as high as the 19 or 20 range, uh, you know, sometimes in the 15, 16 range. So it was, uh, I say the kind of overall projected return was uh, in the ballpark. Yeah, I mean, listen, those numbers sound pretty lucrative, Todd. Why aren't more people getting involved in the mobile home space? Uh, well, I think the the main reason is they're 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 harder to manage uh, because it's not as common that you can find a, a single family home property manager or a apartment property manager who's willing to take on uh, mobile home parks um, just because they're, they're run, you know, while they are multifamily, they might have different moving pieces with an on-site maintenance guy or um, uh, somebody to like an on-site manager who might live in the park. Um, the due diligence is, can be a little bit different, uh, you know, in some parks you might find are on city utilities, whether on city water, city sewer, uh, other parks might have septic system. They might not be on city sewer. They might even have a well or their own uh, uh, waste treatment facility. So there's some things that when people go into those, it's not as maybe as simple as uh, buying a house or an apartment where you can hire a uh, you know, a, a traditional property inspector who can come in and, and take a look at the property. Um, and I think also, you know, the fact that people, there's not often the same uh, comparables that make people, mm-hmm. I think, feel comfortable. They can say, hey, I'm going to buy an apartment and there's 
10 or 15 other ones in this market. So I know exactly where I am from a comp standpoint. A lot of times you'll find mobile home parks that are uh, kind of all across the board in terms of the quality of the park. Um, and even in some smaller markets, it's hard to find comps because there's not uh, a cluster of them in one area that, or they just don't even advertise the, uh, you know, what they're renting for in the same way that an apartment might. So it, it's hard for people to kind of get their head around how the, those businesses work compared to an apartment. Interesting. So for someone who's getting into the space or someone who's looking to take it to the next level, what are the top pieces of advice you would give them? Um, well, if somebody was going to get into the business to start with, uh, I would say, um, uh, you know, if you want to go ahead and buy your own park, uh, if you're if it's some place you live close to that you can uh, maybe afford a smaller park, something we try to look for parks that are over 50 pads at least to be able to have some economies of scale to be able to afford sure. uh, to be able to pay an on-site or maybe have a maintenance guy. If you're going to do something smaller than that, I would recommend that somebody be physically close to it, that they can kind of you know keep an eye on things. Um, in addition to my syndication business, I'm working for the this mobile home park consulting company uh, called CCI Investments currently. And that's one of the things that they specialize in is uh, taking, uh, you know, working with buyers who don't live near their parks but need somebody to help with the turnaround plan and manage them. So if somebody wanted to get in uh, and you know had a little bit more resources to be able to not only put in the down payment, but a lot of times these parks are in huge need of renovation and repair. So um, we've seen people be unsuccessful in the business where maybe they've got enough to get into the park with a down payment and do a little bit of work, but sometimes it might take you know an amount equal to or greater than your down payment to uh, infill the park or do rehabs to existing homes. So advice, if you're going to get in and do it yourself, then definitely make sure you've got the resources to, to really finish the turnaround plan. Um, because a lot of investors get in and just either, you know, run out of money or run out of steam and, and interest in really taking it all the way to getting it fully stabilized and maximizing the NOI. Gotcha. Okay. That's some great advice there. So I hear that you recently released a book that you co-authored. Tell us a little bit about that, Todd. I did. I did. Yeah, I was really honored to be part of this book called Success Habits of Super Achievers. And it's about 80 authors co-authored this, this book. And we each have our own stories in the book about uh, our, our success habits, our tips, kind of our, our story, how we kind of got from where we started to where we are now. Uh, it's got a collection of you know, a lot of real estate investors, but also, a lot of people from other walks of life. Uh, got Phil Collin from Def Leppard, Todd Stottlemyre, ex baseball player, um, some other personal development people they might know, like Brian Tracy and and Darren Hardy. So it's a great collection of uh, of stories in our book. So um, yeah, I was really honored to be a part of that. We hit number one on the Amazon bestseller list, and wow. uh, yeah, I'd really encourage people to to check it out. So yeah, it's called Success Habits of Super Achievers. That's awesome. Well, congratulations. That's a very exciting. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's a great, great project to be a part of. Awesome. Well, look, you've provided some tremendous value. We really appreciate that. We've got about three, four minutes left, Todd. You want to switch it up a little bit? Do you have any questions for me? Um, yeah, I'd like to uh, kind of see what, uh, uh, I guess, the other kind of conversations you've had with people in, in mobile home parks and maybe some uh, either uh, – like misconceptions maybe you've had or, or questions you have about that industry or that business that you think might be of value. Yeah. So we actually had uh, Ferd, the mobile home park lawyer on one of our first oh, episodes. Oh, great. Yes, here. yes. 
I think actually I made mention in one of our conversations and, and made an introduction. Um, and I think that one of the, the most exciting things that I hear from people like you and Ferd is just the sheer numbers, right? The returns. And I, I think that that's something that is very lucrative and interesting to investors. And I would definitely encourage them to look more into the space because I think that it's a, a space that is uh, full of potential. The numbers are pretty incredible. And you know, I know that, that it's a hot industry right now, but I still think that there's room for, for growth. So I just think it's, it's, it's kind of like one of those elusive industries. It's not multifamily, right? It's not you know, single family. It's not you know, your typical commercial property. So I think that there's a lot to learn in that space. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's, uh, you know, people, I think once people get turned on to it, then they just start seeing it more around them like, oh, yeah, that's right. I do see that mobile home park there and really kind of, uh, you know, understanding a little bit more about what, what it's about. I think one of the things that people kind of start for them to get a grasp of is this idea that, yeah, there are some parks where, could be 100% of the people own their own home and they're just renting the land. Um, and then other cases where it could be 100% where the park owns the home themselves. And, uh, you know, both ways the business can work great. You know, when you, when the park owns the homes, uh, then you've got more maintenance, but you've got higher returns because you're charging rent for the house uh, on top of the lot. Uh, if, you've, if, if the tenants own the homes, then it's lower maintenance because, you know, they're taking care of their house and any kind of issues that they might just like if it's a, a single family home they rent. Um, but it is something that differentiates mobile homes from other multifamily assets that I think, uh, you know, it, it's not something people grasp right away. Sure, sure. So we've got about a minute left, Todd. How would you like to close it out? I'd like to hear one final piece of wisdom from the super achiever that you are. Oh, well, you know, I would say, you know, when, when people are getting into this real estate space, I think, you know, whether it's mobile home parks or buying that first single family home, I would just, you know, really encourage everybody to take action. You know, I know a lot of people that just, you know, hem and haw and just like analyze things for, for years and kind of have that analysis paralysis. So I would say, you know, do your analysis, meet a lot of good people, ask questions, but, you know, take action and move forward. There you go. Take action. That's absolutely right. Speaking of taking action, if you're out there watching and you have commercial property that you'd like to sell, please, by all means, reach out to me. I'm more than happy to put together a complimentary, no obligation value proposal for all of your commercial property. I'm Dan Lukowitz. This is Todd Salzinger. We've had a great time here on Dan on Top, and I'm looking forward to seeing you all soon.